It is Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and that is Tinkerballs. <laughs> Tinkerballs is now he's now a part of the show. He's like a baby <laughs> Bjorn, like a kitty sling. What's happening? Hey, keep some keep some calm. Oh, that's adorable. Hey, if you want more Tinkerballs, and who doesn't, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ronza Modern Gods. If you like seeing Tinkerball every week, you know to hit the like button, you know to subscribe, you know to hit the notification bell, all that stuff. This week we have our hot book of the week. We've got our underrated books of the week as usual. And our topic is our favorites from our personal comic collections, the PC. I, for the longest time, Richard, I did not know what PC meant. <laughs> I was like, why are people talking about their computers when they're talking about their comics? <laughs> Personal collection. So let's get things started, Richard, with our hot book of the week. What is it, sir? Our hot book of the week is Amazing Spider-Man number 300, specifically the 9.8 newsstand. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's the first appearance of Venom, uh, which is very topical given the new movie. Uh, it is a huge Spider-Man key. If you're talking about Copper Age... Uh, keys. This is the Copper Age key to own. Uh, this book is hugely sensitive to condition. Uh, 9.8s are, are under 5%, uh, about 5% of the census. And it's it's because this book has, uh, you know, the odds of this book surviving the 30 years <laughs> and being in pristine condition are pretty rare given uh some of the challenges it suffered through throughout its production, the production of the book. So you picked this because there was a sale of a 9.8 newsstand this week on Comic Link. Why don't you tell people what it sold for? It sold for twenty thousand one hundred and thirty-eight dollars during NYCC. Yeah, and uh, you know, with I, I forgot to look up with the with the the buyer and seller's fees for this thing, but Comic Link made a fortune on this particular sale. Yeah. And this is this is in contrast the non newsstand. This is the regular nine point eight are so going for a mere seven thousand to eight thousand dollars. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> use of coasters. Yeah, um, yeah. So so it's it's a huge premium for for the newsstand uh, edition, and it's it's because you know out of that five percent of the census that are nine point eights. Probably it's a real small percentage of those are actually newsstands. So it's a pretty rare book. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, I, I don't even know what to say. This book came out in 1988. I mean, it's not like it's from the 40s or 50s. Uh, but, man, it, it shows you demand and supply. Sometimes, even if the supply is plentiful in comparison to say i don't know an action number one or detective 27 or even a spider-man number one uh the demand far outstrips it people want this friggin book yeah there's there's twenty five thousand of these on you know on the census at this point so it's not it's not a rare book per se the rarity comes into this lofty 9.8 um of, there's actually a 10 9.9s out there too Wow! Uh, if those ever start to circulate, that's they're going to bring some some amazing value or amazing uh, prices. But yeah, this this book is it's I, I have a hard time justifying twenty thousand. I mean, the last sale for this book, uh, as listed on GPA, was forty five hundred in June of twenty twenty. The problem with this book and a lot of books that CGC just does not call out newsstands as a variant on their labels, so they're difficult to quantify because you can't search. Uh, the census to determine how many of a particular uh, newsstand version of the book 
uh, were sold. So it's tough, but yeah, yeah, I, twenty grand, twenty grand could buy you an, uh, a nice, uh, you know, ASM number one, um, you know, which I think potentially has a, a longer term uh, sustained value. But you know, again, if you're talking about a book from 1988 and from that, from the you know the late 80s, early 90s, it's hard to find another book that has the kind of uh, value that this book has. You know, remember when we were in our early 20s uh, and we would hear from older collectors like, you know, I had that first appearance <laughs> of and or I had that first appearance of the Fantastic Four and I gave it away when I was a kid. I can't help but remember managing the comic shop that you used to come to and buy books mm -hmm. and unpacking the box from Capital City Distribution that had Amazing Spider-Man 300 and me push, putting them out on the shelf like, doo-doo, just another week. <laughs> and I remember it. And I'm like, wow, if I had only just taken a stack of them and put them away, I don't know. I'm also the guy that sold an almost complete run of Venus. So don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's stories and pictures on the internet of people who have like a short box full of these. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a rare book. It was, uh, it was a keystone book for, because of the transition from the black costume back to the red and blue. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was just another book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, for, for a certain genera generation of collectors, um, this really is a valuable book. But I don't know if it's $20,000 worth of value. Yeah, I mean, I remember it as being, oh, that Todd McFarlane guy who used to draw Infinity Inc. has drawn Spider-Man now, and <laughs> he's ripping off Michael Golden's webbing, and he's ripping off Art Adams' uh, style. And, you know, now I'm like, oh, jeez. Wow, that's what I know. Uh, crazy. Uh, all right, let's check in on Tinkerballs. Is he still there? Is he still sleeping? Uh, no, he he ran off and is doing oh. some other kitten-related thing. <laughs> He's very busy. Busy, yes. busy Tinkerballs. All right, it is time for us to hit our main topic this week. We thought about it. Richard came up with a good idea. You guys always ask us what we like, what we collect, and we try to share that as much as possible. And those episodes tend to do really well. And I'm not going to mention the letters N, F, or T the entire episode. We're going to talk about the favorite comics from our personal collections. We picked a few out just to show you guys. And we want to hear about yours as well. So let us know in the comments what you have or what you're looking for still. And my first one, you know, it's really not going to be any big surprise to anyone who's ever followed this podcast for any amount of time. It is Yellow Claw number one. I finally got it, people. Uh, is six <laughs> you had a lot of help a lot I, of people really wanted you to get that book tons of dms i put the word out tons of dms uh you know it was appreciated but it was also like yeah i saw it <laughs> thanks everybody <laughs> but i got kind of got inundated if you ask for help from this community you're gonna get it which is great uh cbcs uh 6.0 uh, it, I scored it on eBay for $2,749 earlier this year. There have been no GPA reported sales of a 6.0 since 2013. Wow. Uh, but this is an example, Richard, uh, of when it rains, it pours. The minute one appeared, two more appeared. And I had to like make some choices. Uh-huh. I got all three of them. <laughs> not, I, not, no, that's not a bad, that's not a bad way of, uh, 
you never you, you also didn't mention the significance of yellow con yeah it's it's you know first of all it's a book i've owned several times in my collecting career and i like it because uh issues two through four are actually written and drawn by jack kirby a lot of people don't know that he did not do issue one joe manili drew it and it's also issue one is the first appearance of Jimmy Woo, who is a favorite character of mine. He's the leader of the Agents of Atlas and the new Agents of Atlas, if you want to go there. <laughs> we saw him appear on WandaVision. We've seen him in the Marvel Universe. Uh, if they do, if slash when Agents of Atlas finally happens, I am sure this book is going to shoot up even more. I did sell the other two copies after uh, some uh, rehab, some pressing, some cleaning. <laughs> Uh, to pay off to pay for the 6.0 so it's a good example of, of getting some undercopies being happy with an undercopy for a while selling it yeah. financing the one you want just an extremely tough book in any grade it's funny to hear me say that after three of them came to market <laughs> last it, year no it's funny how that happens where you you look for a book and look for a book and look for it, it happened to me with for young allies number six the uh, Art Adams cover, uh, the one in 10 variant, which I love that cover. I looked for a year for that book. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, bingo, three copies of it were available. And, you know, you, you get to you get to pick. So that's great. One even came to the market on eBay uh, probably about a month ago. I got an email alert in the morning and I thought, all right, I'm just going to buy this one and rehab it and sell it too. But it was gone by the time I, you know, rolled out of bed and clicked on it. So people are still out there looking for it. Uh, I see the notes, what your first one is. Again, not a big surprise to anyone who follows this podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about that because none of my choices are big surprises because I like to talk about the books I like, right? Yeah. So uh, number one on my, on my list is Fantastic Four number five. This is, oops, this is the first appearance of Dr. Doom. Oh, look at this cute green mask. <laughs> yeah, I was on the hunt for this book for a long time. Uh, I went out on 2019, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, it was 20. No, it was 2020. It was January 2020. 2020. Okay, you're right. It was January of 2020. Went out to visit John. We went to the California Comic Con. I asked every single vendor there about this book because I brought, I brought a, a chunk of money with me and I was determined to get this book. And no vendors had it. Um, fortunately I ran into the, the awesome, uh, golden age guru who happened to know somebody who was at the convention who had a copy and we struck a deal. And, um, this book is awesome. It's, it's a part of my permanent collection. Uh, you will pry it from my cold dead fingers. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a classic fantastic four key first, uh, Dr. Doom. I paid $3,700 for it in 2020, which was in cash in the yeah. middle of a crowded floor. I just want to point that out. And I was yeah. like trying to shield your, with my body, you know, I, you know what? The thing is I, when I, I had, I had a bank envelope full of hundreds <laughs> and I am counting it out to the guy one at a time. And I literally had 3,700s in that envelope. Um, so it was the perfect amount of money uh, for the book. Well, at the end, at the end, I didn't have any cash anymore. So, you know, it wasn't a problem. I'm surprised you didn't get stopped by TSA on your way. There, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are, you know, there are um, 1,895 on the census. There are no 9.8s. There are a few 9.6s. Uh, the GPA, the 90-day average for this is 8670. 
The last sale, though, it was a little bit over ten thousand dollars, ten thousand two hundred. So it's definitely appreciated over the past year or so. And frankly, this is just appreciation. I think that all classic Fantastic Fours are are uh, taking advantage of with the rise of all of these Silver Age keys in value. Fantastic Four number one, X Men number one, etc. So I I I see this book really just going crazy when we have Doctor Doom in the MCU. It's not if, it's just a when at this point. This book that you bought, this particular copy, has increased in value over 250% in a year and a half. My 401k, which I'm super excited about, has appreciated 8% in the last year. So next time the wife complains about you spending money on comic books, <laughs> point these things out to her. She doesn't, yeah. she doesn't complain, does she? No, she does not. She yeah. she appreciates my hobbies and my interests. Yeah. I, you know, it's me that has a problem sometimes spending, know. you know, this kind of money on, uh, you know, I try to make the hobby fund itself, and it's 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 tough, difficult when you've got these kind of big books. But you have to spend the money when they are available. You can't. So there's some books you just um, you just have to bite the bullet because you may not see them again for a long period of time. I'm going the opposite way. I have I have a nice little bonus coming up at the end of the year, and I'm thinking about what to do with it. And you know the the Susie Orman in me says put it in the 401k, put it in Roth IRA, don't touch it. The John Hughes who knows what's going on in the market part of me looks at it and goes, you know what? I have no particular love for Wolverine, but I should buy a Hulk 180 and a Hulk 181 and just hold on to them for two, five years uh, and see what happens. And I kind of think I might do that. You know, I think it's a valid choice. And, and, and actually, you know, given the recent investment of $500 million in C, into CGC, I think that Wall Street also sees – the potential value of collectibles as as an investment vehicle. It's it's hard to see uh, investing in certain keys like Fantastic Four number one, uh, number five here. Um, those not paying off at least twenty percent over the span of a year. It's it's difficult. I've been always been such a conservative investor my whole life. I've always been very you know mutual funds that are you know backed by the government you know all this crap and now i'm like let's go nuts <laughs> who knows speaking of going nuts oddball you guys know i love the oddball books yellow claw well how about scooby-doo number one Scooby. this is the first appearance of scooby-doo in comics it is just a notoriously hard book to find in any grade uh i got this in an online auction last year for eight hundred dollars uh, it's a 4.5. It was not a 4.5 when I received it. Let's just say that. Uh, a little bit of CPR minus the C. I didn't need to crack it. Uh, but I did. Re it was a raw. I did resuscitate it quite a bit from where it was. I think it was probably a 3, uh -huh. 3.5 when I got it. I got it pressed up to a 4.5. Proud of that. Um, weirdness going on in the market with this book uh if you look on completed sales on ebay versus gpa they don't match uh gpa says a 4.5 sold last month for 825 dollars which is you know 25 bucks over what i paid for this raw so okay not not good news for me uh not a great return however if you look at completed sales on ebay there was a 4.0 sale in august for 1500 dollars 
So I don't know if it didn't get reported to GPA for some reason or if it's a not a legitimate sale for some reason. You be the judge. I may have overpaid, but this is a definite hold. I'm not mm -hmm. getting rid of it anytime soon. Uh, again, it's a book. I don't, you know, I didn't grow up loving Scooby-Doo. It wasn't a favorite of mine. I didn't have to, you know, I got to sit. I mean, I love the theme song. Theme song's amazing. <laughs> amazing bubblegum power pop. Uh, right. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I never, you know, I, I kind of like was a little too young when it premiered. And then when I was in that prime Scooby-Doo age, they had Scrappy-Doo and everybody hates Scrappy-Doo. So don't even get me started. So this is one of those books that's kind of an investment. Uh, I bought it at the same auction, just as a teaser, uh, at the same auction that you bought one of your books. Yes, you did. Uh, at, that's coming up uh, later this episode. But first, what do you have next? Uh, again, no surprise for anybody who's been watching this podcast. I actually um, announced this one of our early episodes. I forget which number it was. Uh, it is Ultimate, Fall Ultimate Fallout 4. This is the newsstand print. If you take a look at the barcode, the barcode says Black Panther. Uh, the reason why is they reused in the system. Uh, the Black Panther series had uh, ended at, at issue number 17. So rather than enter a, a whole new um, UPC code into the system for a six-issue miniseries, they just used uh, – they continued the issue number – and barcode from Black Panther. And that's why it says Black Panther there in, in uh, the barcode box. How does that book exist? A, a new stand edition in 2011 that you got. It, it's a 9.0. Did you press it? Uh, I, I had it professionally pressed, actually. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, I bought this raw off of eBay. Uh, I had been looking for one. And, and this book is so rare. And in, in that it comes up very, very infrequently. I look, actually looked at GPA, and GPA has only seven sales since 2019. Wow. Uh, of all grades, seven sales. Uh, the GPA for it was uh, for uh, was 3,500 for one sale back in October of 2020. Uh, there is no listed sale here recently. I gauge the value at about seven thousand dollars that's that's kind of where i put how rare is it there are supposedly less than a hundred copies verified in existence oh. <laughs> of any grade um wow. so yeah it's 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 incredibly rare i paid 962 dollars for this book um off of ebay uh it made comic tom <laughs> the sale did because yeah. it was a record for that book and and I and and as I said at the time, um, I had I my reserve for this book was over eleven hundred dollars. I was willing to go over eleven hundred dollars for this book, just because they show up so infrequently, uh, and I wanted it because I have um, with this book, I have every single variation of Ultimate Fallout series from all these all the versions of, of number four to all of the uh, variant covers from one through six and all the newsstand covers from one through six. And uh, there's a convention cover. I've got them all at this point. Well, I have You don't have them all yet because Tuesday VV <laughs> dropped the <laughs> NFT. Uh, uh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to be there. Uh, wow. Okay. I have to ask when you bought it off eBay, do you think the guy knew what he had? 
at first, and it's, it's very interesting because at first the guy listed it and I immediately approached him and offered him, uh, cause it was an auction and no, no bids on it. I offered him, uh, $900 for the book straight, straight up. Uh, he had, I think the opening bid for it was 300. He declined because he said he had another offer from someone else. Mm. And he thought the best way to handle the situation was to let the auction run its course. So I appreciate that, that he didn't, you know, that he, he, uh, he had multiple, multiple, uh, bidders. And so, you know, he took that, that route. So at first he didn't know that it was, uh, there was a significance to the newsstand. Mm. Um, me, I had gotten to a habit for probably about six months going to every single eBay listing. And I got to the point where I could recognize from the thumbnail, <laughs> the, the barcode and the difference between. Uh, the regular direct edition and the uh, newsstand edition. So I, I picked it out. He didn't, he, in his listing, he did not call it out as a newsstand. If only we could use our powers for the good of humanity, Richard. <laughs> Imagine what we could do. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, he didn't realize the, the significance of it, which I thought was interesting. Um, and it's, and uh, it's still, it's, there are there are newsstand copies newsstand that come up on eBay, uh, which are usually again I could just look at the barcode from a distance and tell they're usually people who don't know they think it's a UPC and they go oh it's a newsstand right yeah. exactly exactly and they list it one just went a nine a nine point eight just sold mm -hmm. for eight hundred some odd dollars mm -hmm. um, called called out as I'm sorry it wasn't a nine point eight it was a nine point six. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't a newsstand, and I'm sure the person who listed it got some flack about it. Yeah, but yeah, they're super rare, and I am just I'm just excited to have it in this collection. I, I don't blame you. That that is a good one. All right, here is my gem. My you'll have to pry it out of my cold dead fingers book. It is the first appearance of Captain America in the Silver Age. Strange Tales 114. Uh, oh no, what? It's not the first appearance of Captain America. What? Well, technically, kind of, maybe it is Captain America on the cover and in the story fighting the Human Torch, but it's not Steve Rogers. It is D-list villain, the Acrobat, disguised as Captain America. Wait, this this predated? This predates Avengers 4. This wow. Is a little test run to see if people would respond to Captain America's return. In fact, on the last page, after the torch takes off the mask and reveals it's the acrobat, there's a little caption saying, well, we're sorry it's not the real Captain America. Would you like to see the real Captain America return? Send us a mail and we will uh, consider it. Well, guess what? Four short months later, you got this, ba -ba -da, Avengers 4, the true first appearance of Captain America in the Silver Age. This is a CG, sorry, this is a CBCS 8.5. Uh, our friends at We Can Be Heroes are going to hate me for saying this. I bought this for $4,500 from them right at the start of the pandemic. And I thought, I'm overpaying at the time. Well, now 8.5s are selling for $8,400. So I've seen the value nearly double on this book. Uh, good luck getting it from my greasy, grubby hands because you're not going to get it. It's gorgeous. Uh, I love this book. I, I, I keep it hidden. My house is completely uh, uh, fortified with alarms. Uh, two killer cats 
that will attack any intruders. Uh, while we're at it, I also got the second appearance of Captain America in the Silver Age, which is Fantastic Four, uh, number uh, 25, just the classic Hulk versus Thing cover. Excellent. Yeah, just a great throwdown. Uh, had to get this as well. So those are my uh, Cap appearances. I've got some Captain America comics from the 40s uh -huh. that, you know, I like them, but not as much as those. I like I like Silver Age Steve. So you're not interested in like Cap 1 or? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> of course. But I, I want to sew up all the Silver Age stuff first, you know, uh -huh. which I kind of have. Tales of Suspense 58 and 59 I've got now. Uh, Cap 100. So, you know, with uh, Cap 117, First Falcon, I've kind of got all the keys covered. So that's why I've been dipping into some Golden Age with uh, Hiram from Hiram's Collectibles. Mm -hmm. I got that Cap 73 from him. I wanted that Cap 74 he was selling, but, you know, uh, I got a house I got to pay off, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some books that are just unobtainium, you know, you're just, you're just not going to get them without some significant sacrifice. But, I can see your next one kind of along those lines. This was your grail, man. Yeah. All right. My, this next one, John mentioned earlier, we, uh, there was a heritage auction. No, it was a Bullock auction. Oh, sorry. Bullock. That's right. It was Bullock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Bullock auction going on. And uh, he and I were kind of paying. Uh, he reminded me it was there because I, I forgot. And so I was kind of following it as it was going along. And then he picked out a particular book that he knew that I would be interested in it is, and it is, it's hard to see here. Uh, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. This is Marvel family comics. Number one. This is the first appearance of black Adam. Now this is a book that I never even thought I would have an opportunity to, uh, to own because they're just so rare. And um, this book showed up on the auction and it had initial value. It was raw. Uh, I believe it was $1,800 was the yeah. starting bid for the auction. And so I had to, you know, I'm putting my thinking cap. Okay. So what's, what, what am I going to cap this out at? So I put a cap of $3,500 for the book. Okay. <laughs> I totally did not factor in the, <laughs> the buyer premium that Bullock uh, charges as well as the taxes. We um, did an entire episode about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the auction goes, and I'm you know excited. We're watching the prices, and there was a, it was me and another bidder, uh, and the bidder uh, the, the price got to thirty five hundred, and the bidder uh, the opposing bidder backed out at that point. So I got it for thirty five hundred. Um, well, that's kind of a gimme price because on top of that thirty five hundred, there were eight hundred dollars plus of taxes and fees. Mm -hmm. So it really came out to about $4,400 uh, when it was said and done, which, you know, I was like, mm -hmm. um, it was easily the most expensive book uh, that I've ever bought uh, as a raw. Um, it, it showed up, you know, after I bought it, the scariest part with raw books is how is it going to go from the, from the seller's hands to my hands and survive the journey. And it came uh, packaged pretty well. Uh, I have to give it to Bullock's. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I bought a bunch of stuff from that auction from Bullock, and they, they even shipped me two long boxes of, yeah, that's right. of you know, stuff. And it was packed really, really well, almost too well. It was annoying. <laughs> no, it was in the book out here safely. Um, I immediately, um, 
I don't know how it, we looked at the book. The book book looked really good. It had slightly rusted staples. There was just a hint of rust on them. So we didn't do a do a, a um, humidity chamber on the book. Um, so we sent it into CGC, came back at 3.5. And um, I paid, like I said, 3,500 or 4,400, depending on how, how you look at it. This book is just really just hard to come by. There are There have been no uh, 3.5 sales in, in the past year uh, or on the census, really. There is uh, 139 total on, on the, the census. There were five in 3.5. The closest, or okay, let me, let me back up. In May of 2016, there was a 3.5 sale for $1,900, mm-hmm. which obviously really isn't applicable. The closest, there was a 3.0 in July that sold for $11,000. Oh, nice return on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a book that's appreciating. And I have to think once, um, once the Black Adam movie comes out next year with... Um, with uh, Dwayne Johnson, the, the, the rock, I think this book is just really going to go, go to, out, out, you know, the stratosphere. It's- you made a great deal, dude. Yeah. yeah I, I even told you when you were, when we were both uh, kind of kvetching about the fees. <laughs> I was like, you still got to steal. Yeah, I do. I, I, I think so too. Um, it's, it's just such a, such a hard to come by book. And it's another one of those we talked earlier about, Sometimes you just have to jump in because an opportunity presents itself and it may not present itself ever again. And this is one of those opportunities. I don't think I, I have not seen another um, Marvel family uh, come up that I thought was something in my price range. And people hit you up all the time trying to get you to sell yours. They I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi, Eric. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are, there are people who, who are interested in the book, again, because of its rarity. And it's it's um, it's just does not come to market very often. And I think people either are, are big fans of uh, the Shazam and the, and the uh, Marvel family, or they are looking at the prospects of, of investment for the Black Adam movie. From what I've seen of the, of the dedication that The Rock has put into making the movie, uh, it's. I'm really excited about the prospects of it. I think it's going to be a great movie, and if so, you know, the, that value of the book could double. Yeah, I hear he's really working out. All right, it is time to move <laughs> on uh, to the time. I don't. We're in 1988. I'm going back to Amazing Spider-Man 300 because 1988 was. Uh, you know what? I can't do math. It's the 25 year rule. <laughs> Oh, the oh, oh, segues. They're just getting mm. sloppy again. They're getting sloppy again, Richard. I'm, I'm slipping. But All this right. is an interesting choice. Uh, this this is a very interesting choice. Rarity. We're talking rarity. How tough books are. A 25-year rule this week goes back to 1996, 25 years ago, with Twisted Metal 2. This was a 16-page giveaway comic that was published by DC based on the PlayStation 2 game of the same name, Twisted Metal 2. Yeah, brings back memories. Uh, Awesome creative team for one of these little promotional giveaways. Jamie Delano and Phil Hester with a Duncan Forgato cover. Wow. Only 100 copies of this book supposedly were ever printed because they had a contest, uh, some sort of high score contest or something, and you had to uh, send away for it. 
only the the lore goes who knows if it's true only 50 people actually qualified and then some other people wrote in asking if they could have a copy and supposedly sony sent it to a few people as well so who knows how many out of that supposed 100 are actually out there i can tell you there are only four copies on the cgc census with the highest being two copies at 9.6 the most recent sale recorded was for a 9.0 in March of this year for $2,430. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, there's a lot of interest in um, these comic book video game crossovers. Uh, Nintendo, there's a lot of interest in yeah. Nintendo, for example. So, yeah, if, if you happen, if you happen to, to have been uh, playing this game and got yourself a copy of this book, you probably don't know how much it's worth. No. <laughs> I have to think it, it's the scarcity and the nostalgia factor are the drivers behind right. the price. I have to wonder, though, Twisted Metal is no longer an ongoing concern as a franchise, right. you know, like Mario or, or, or others like that ilk. So I wonder if they had kept that franchise going, if it would be even more insanely uh, sought after. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I I think Twisted Metal, though, for people who grew up in that era, has a lot of you know the name itself has a lot of power. Yeah. So I you know I think there's a lot of nostalgia driven uh, value for that. All right, let's move on to our underrated books of the week. Richard, you go first. What do you have here? Uh, this is a this is a repeat pick for me. Uh, it is Shuri number one from 2018. It seems. Uh, Stuck in a loop. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's. I, I try to update my collecting hobbies based on uh, updates of information, right? So uh, this is the first ser solo series for Shuri. Uh, I, I say I picked this book before, uh, specifically the second print for this book, uh, which I still think is 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 um, the best play here. Um, what's what really has has me revising my interest in this book is. I don't want to spoil anything about the uh, What If series, but Killmonger was involved in the final e episode from that show. And let's just say that um, his actions kind of eliminate him, at least for, in my mind, as being a replacement for uh, Black Panther. Um, first of all, they, they were, there's all kinds of hoops that you'd have to jump through because he was killed at the end of uh, Black Panther, at least as far as we know. He died at the end of Black Panther, uh, but you know, you know, Black Panther, uh, to me, is a character who has to fit into a larger world, specifically, potentially, a future Avenger. Mm -hmm. And um, while um, Killmonger is definitely brave and and uh, resourceful, I think his his agenda kind of eliminates him from that uh, Avengers tier. Uh, and puts him more into someone who's looking after his own particular interests. So you know, you know, if you eliminate him, the the most obvious character to replace uh, Black Panther is Shuri, his sister. So if we see in the movie, in the Black Panther two movie coming up, her being put into the role of Black Panther, I all of her keys, and, and there, you're already seeing the, the keys starting to to uh, to trend upwards. Um, I, I see these keys just really skyrocketing. And, and for some reason, this particular book is still undervalued. In, uh, the GPA for 9.8, so the, the 9.8 are selling for around $249. Second prints are selling for 225 
which I'm completely surprised on. And there is a really nice Scotty Young variant. I am not a huge Scotty Young fan. I think, I think his style is something you need to warm up to, and it's, I've never warmed up to it. Cloying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this cover is nice. I have to admit, I like it. Uh, it's going for $300 for the 9.8. And, uh, yeah, if I came across one, I would definitely pick one up. There are um, – the, the census is pretty top-heavy. There are 109 – 9.8 out of 163. I see that number going up if she is she is actually confirmed as being the next Black Panther. So that 100, 163 could easily double because I don't think this book is necessarily in the first print um, rare. You can still pick the book up for about $40. So think about it. If you pick up a book for $40, bucks, a 9.8 candidate, get it slabbed. Right now, its value is about $250. If after the announcements it's five hundred, you know, look what you've done for your you know forty dollars plus let's say forty dollars um, slabbing fee investment. So definitely something I think that that uh, it warrants picking up when you see it. This is one of those books where when I go to conventions and I'm going through long boxes, uh, I'm looking for books like these. I'm looking for those forty dollars, those twenty dollar books that um, have have recognized value and I can see them converting to something of a higher value within a short term. There have been a few reports from gossip sites about Letitia Wright being spotted in Atlanta filming the uh, Agents of Wakanda series. Is it a series? Is it a movie? I'm not quite sure what Agents of Wakanda is going to be. Is it Disney Plus? But, you know, uh, will she be the next Black Panther? Disney's sticking by her, apparently, despite some controversy. I'm not going to get into it. Just Google her name and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, so I, I do think Shuri is a good pick. If nothing else, just her first solo title. She's going to be around for a while, the character in the MCU yes. for sure. So a uh, good one. Uh, my underrated book of the week is Machine Man number nine. Not because it's really valuable or because they're spec or because it should be should be more valuable. Just because my favorite artist of all time is Jack Kirby. And Machine Man number nine, I don't think people realize this. It is the last Marvel comic ever drawn by Jack Kirby. Oh, wow. This came out September 26, 1978, according to the comic reader. One week after Devil Dinosaur number nine, which was the other final kirby issue of the marvel comics uh, age after this kirby left marvel to go work in animation he was actually doing storyboards for the fantastic four cartoon and there was a silver surfer graphic novel by simon and schuster that jack did with stanley that came around at the same time but i'm not counting that that's not a comic book that's a graphic novel that's a paperback book uh, and if you want to get really technical, Fantastic Four issue 236 had a Jack Kirby story that was actually repurposed from animation storyboards that Jack had done for the FF cartoon. And it was published without his permission and his knowledge, really kind of a scummy move on uh, Marvel's part. So we're not counting that either. So Machine Man number nine is the last true comic book Jack Kirby ever drew for Marvel Comics. Uh, the last sale for a 9.8 was $97 last December. And if you don't have a run of Machine Man 1 through 9, you should have one anyway. Every good person should have a run of Machine Man. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that, uh, that that was his absolute last comic. So, so 
I'm not familiar with how he passed. Was it was it sometime soon oh. after he started writing? Or it, drawing? He he was alive for years after that. He he passed away in 1994, I believe, 93 or 94. Okay. He had a nice retirement. You know, he was still working in animation for a bit, but then he re actually retired and the last comic book he ever had a hand in drawing was uh, Phantom Force number one with Image in the oh, early wow. Yeah, so it, he kind of done a few things for that book. So if you're looking for the last comic book, it's Phantom Force. But me, a Marvel guy, a Jack Kirby Marvel sure. guy, it's Machine Man number nine. Do you have any books signed by Jack? Uh, by mistake, you know, uh, and I say that because I, I have bought books opened it up and it has that that signature jack kirby signature at the bottom of the first page where he always signed he wouldn't sign the covers he's always signed the bottom of the first page i've gotten lucky and gotten one or two of those in in my uh collecting career oh, that's awesome yeah nothing i ever sought out i just happened to buy it and there it was uh i think i've got a few books like that i think i got like a jim starlin signature that way and a chris claremont so yeah, weird how sometimes you just open up a book and there's a signature. Yeah, I, I got a John Byrne signature that same way. <laughs> oh, all right, that is going to wrap it up for us uh, until our bonus episode later this week. Follow us at, on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze of Modern Gods. Like this video, subscribe. You know the deal. We appreciate you guys. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you want to hear about and we will see you next time. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, John. Everybody stay safe.